0: Amen. Thank you for worshiping with us. My name is Daniel. I get the opportunity to serve here as lead pastor and teach God's word this morning. If you have a copy of the scriptures, meet me in Luke chapter two. We're going to pick up in verse eight. This is week three of not only a series but a season. Uh, the series is not original; us. It's called Advent. Advent. We've learned all throughout the past two weeks, and now week three that this is simply a, a Latin word that means coming or arrival. All throughout church history, our uh, mothers and fathers in the faith before us have practiced this season of the four Sundays leading up to Christmas of uh, remembering by looking backwards at the first coming of Christ, but also longing for the second coming of Christ. This is this paradox of faith that we have faith in what Christ has accomplished, but are also longing forward to what the hope that is stored up for us and his return one day. All throughout this series, we've looked at the gospel of Luke and specifically, at different individuals who responded and how they responded to his very first coming. Uh, And so the Luke chapter two, verse eight, where we'll pick up just in a moment, but just to give you a recap, if you uh, are a guest for the very first time uh, and haven't been a part, that this is where we've been thus far. We looked at first the response of the mother of Christ in Mary, how she had a great response of faith in what the Lord was gonna do in and through her life by bringing about the Christ through her. And then second, and last week, we looked at uh, what is traditionally known as the innkeeper. And what we see is a a lack of response. Uh, Jokingly, uh, several of uh, Journey's Faithful called this the one where I messed up the nativity. And so if you can just go online and look at that uh, later, but we see a lack of response by those individuals who uh, took Christ in and to the birth of Mary. And this week, we're gonna look at the shepherds. Uh, And so in this, uh, we're gonna see these responses so like an airplane pilot telling you where we're headed before we even take off, here's where we're going to go. We're, in verse 15, you're going to see how they sought him. In verse 17 and 18, you're going to see how they testified to all about him. And then in verse 20, you're going to see how they glorified and praised God as a response. So if you have a copy of God's word, uh, hear the word of the Lord. Verse eight, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. An angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel and a mul- with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he is pleased. Verse 15, and when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And when they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger, When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Do you remember as a child longing for Christmas? How you prepared so diligently about the days leading up to Christmas, the list that you had put together about the presents that you so badly wanted to receive. If you were anything like me as a child, that you were thinking strategically of who you would ask for, what presents from, and what order you had placed them on your list. And as you prepared that, you know, perfect list that you were just couldn't wait to open on Christmas morning. You began to count down the days as it got closer and closer to December. And you couldn't wait for the 25th to finally get here. When the 23rd Christmas Eve's Eve arrived, you're like, I can't wait for tomorrow night, but I'm not going to sleep then either. So you're just built with this anticipation about the arrival of this day and what this day would mean as you would get to chance to open presents and see the all that you had longed for and prepared for. You see, this is not exactly how the shepherds waited as we are introduced to them in Luke chapter 2, in Luke's gospel. You see, the shepherds waited in context, not over presence, but they waited as the lowest class of citizens in their social networks. You see, who these shepherds are is we need to understand in context is... By Old Testament law standards, they are unclean. And in their Jewish culture, for some reason, these the shepherds were seen as a representation of the poor, the marginalized, the humble. And then they were to receive this message of salvation. Indeed, as the angel said, for them, it would be good news. A rescuer had come unto them. And it just as a, a side note, we're not really sure what happened throughout ancient Israelite culture for this class of citizens to be as respected, to be then turned on its head to be the most marginalized, the most poor, the lowest class, the unwanted, unnoticed, and just get out of our way of culture. Because if you think about the Old Testament, you have David, who's one of the greatest kings in Israel. He's a shepherd. God himself calls he, himself a title, the shepherd of his people. But something happened uh, from the time period of the prophets and then you get into the gospels where clearly this class is not wanted in their culture. You can just see that they are these unclean, unwanted, unvalued members of society. But if that didn't top it all off, they, they were in this culture of being oppressed by the Roman occupation of their country, being taxed out their ears barely probably being able to afford to live or have some kind of sustainable livelihood for their families. In many ways, they felt most likely unseen, unnoticed, and unwanted by others. But to them, an angel appears and says, I bring you good news of great joy. So I don't know how this Christmas season is happening upon you, but For you, maybe you don't have this anticipation building in your stomach that you can't, you're longing for December 25th. Maybe you're like, ah, the presents, whatever. But for you, you feel much like these shepherds, unnoticed, unwanted, and undervalued by many. But think about this fact. Think about who these shepherds are. If you can relate to them on any level with that, that these shepherds, In the context of being oppressed by the Romans and ostracized by their community, God sends a messenger to them, not to just this general population, because you're going to notice that it's these shepherds who get this message. It's not the whole town of Bethlehem. It's these individuals. Think about in your mind, verse 17 that we read, the people that heard it, they wondered, they're like, what is going on? What are these guys who've been outside too long telling us? The word in verse 17 it means wondered is not that they had great faith because they saw the sight too. It literally means they're scratching the top of their head confused at what these stinky, smelly shepherds are telling them. That God reveals, sends a messenger to them because God saw them. God cared about them and God was inviting them into his story to spread the good news they had received. And it sprang up in them great joy. It was a joyous message. This is the season of joy after all, isn't it? But many of us probably couldn't describe this season right now, at least as it is, as joyous. Yeah, the lights, the music, the decorations. It's supposed to be that way. It's the decorations of joy. But inside, if you were honest with yourself, maybe you could honestly say like, I don't Really feel it right now. But in spite of our feelings, we are invited into this message of joy that as the psalmist writes, in your presence is the fullness of joy. One psychologist wrote about joy being the feeling that we feel when we look at someone else's eye and see a sparkle because we're with them in their presence that the expression on their face says, I'm glad you're here with me. And I think psychology in many ways is catching up to the scriptures because literally the word in Psalm 16, 11, when it says in your presence is the Hebrew word for face. That God's face has been turned towards us. And when we see God's face turned towards us, joy is found in his presence. And for these shepherds, what the wonder of Christmas is, is that their Savior had came to them, that he wasn't distant, but he had came close. Let's see at how this unfolds together. If you have a copy, follow along with me. Verse eight in this is what you see in verse eight is what connects the shepherds to the nativity scene, if you will. The birth of Christ is two things, the area and the timing. The timing. Because in, in verse 8, it says, in the same region, there are these shepherds. So, the, the region that they're, they're together locationally with the, the birth of Christ, they're really close by, and the event happened very uh, close together. That this night, he says, like tonight, born is a is savior to you. And then these two events are connected the, the angels coming and the birth of Christ. By timing and location. And this is how it unfolds. Verse 10. The angel says, "'Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy "'that uh, will be for all the people. "'For unto you is born this day in the city of David "'a Savior who is Christ the Lord. "'And this will be a sign for you. "'You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling and cloth "'lying in a manger.'" Let's drop anchor here in these three verses just for a moment. Look at the repetition. In one of the Bible study hacks is look at words that are just repeated over and over again in a short amount of time. You, the same exact word is used four times in three verses. What this angel wants to be abundantly clear is this is not some generic news that he is uh, telling just generalized people. No, he wants the shepherds, to no, know. no, you. I'm talking to you. I'm bringing you good news. And this savior is not just, he's for all the people, but he's also for you. Doesn't matter who you are, what your background is, what your history looks like. He's for you. Doesn't matter that you're the lowest class citizen in your culture. He's for you. The wonder in this message is how can the God most high come to these guys? How can the savior of the Cosmos, the creator of the universe, show up to some stinky, smelly shepherds in a pasture off the hills of Bethlehem. And when he shows up, this angel, notice how he arrives, the first response of the shepherds in verse 10. He says, fear not, because apparently they were scared. Their first encounter, it says, that they were terrified, terrified of what was coming upon them. But this news that was being brought to them wasn't supposed to produce fear in them. Rather, it was supposed to produce joy and happiness, glad tidings, all these different things. But fear was their first response when the angel appeared. Maybe think about this text when I was studying it, when they were filled with great fear at the end of verse nine, that I wondered, how many of us, when we thought about God, our first response being great fear, or thought about having joy as being a concept of when God turns our, his face towards us and looks upon us, that we look in his face, and our first response is not joy, but rather it is fear. Because when we think about God, a savior, who, an all-powerful being who knows all, is everywhere, created all. And we think about us, we think about, man, I know how messed up I am. God who knows everything coming close to me, that terrifies me. I don't want to think about one day where I'll see him face to face, the the day of judgment, if you will, that I'll be in his presence. Like, I don't want to think about that day because I know how messed up I am. This angel quiets their fear and says, I'm bringing you good news of great joy. And not just for you, for everyone. So what's the news? Verse 11. For unto you this day is in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He is born Three words that we need to isolate in here on this text is Savior, Christ, and Lord. Three titles that are all attributed to the person of Jesus. And he's born this day. It's his timing and location is connected. The word Savior here is a title that's almost throughout the New Testament reserved for uh, God. It's all in the book of Acts and the book of Luke that God is the one who is Savior. So for these shepherds thinking about in this moment, man, this is good news. A savior, I need a savior right now. Like some of you in a variety of areas of your life could think, yeah, I could need a little saving in this category of my life. But you know, all throughout the Old Testament, there had been different savior types, the rescuer types, the kings and prophets, judges and leaders uh, throughout Old Testament history. There'd been saviors like oh this is good news here's here's another one of those guys he's coming to pull us up out of this oppression that we're facing in this moment he's savior but the angel goes on he's a savior born in the city of David who is Christ okay that's good too because Christ is simply a title it's not actually Jesus's last name it means anointed it means born for this task This is who he is. He is savior and he's born for this task. He's the anointed one. He's not just this this random individual like, hey, I think this one's gonna turn out all right one day. But he is one who is born for this and then he gets the third title and these three put together in one individual who is Lord. It's the Greek word, it's a transliteration of the Hebrew word for Yahweh, God of the Old Testament, personal God. Who is this baby? He is a savior who is born for this task and he is God Almighty himself. Holy cow. The shepherds must have been thinking in this moment, oh my goodness, it's the one we've longed for. It's the one all of creation has waited for. And he's here and they're telling us that he is here. This is, this is unexplainable, this is, indescribable, I just can't imagine that he's here, and you're telling us this news. Oh, man, and they're probably processing this in this moment, starstruck, like literally, because of the brilliance around this angel, and then he says, verse 12, which shocks them even more, most likely. He says, and this will be a sign for you. This will be a sign. This is the thing that's gonna say that what I told you is Truth. What I told you is truth. This is the sign. Two things. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And this probably shocked the shepherds more than anything else after getting the news they had just heard that this is how they would find him. First one is baby wrapped in swaddling cloth. This isn't crazy. It's a We still swaddle our babies today. If you've ever been to a hospital to go see a newborn, they are swaddled. They're not swaddled in cloths like this, but they are swaddled. They're wrapped up to keep warm. And they're like, okay, that makes sense. Check. That's good. That's like, I mean, it's good. They swaddled that child. That's awesome. They they swaddled it. But the second one is lying in a manger. And this was most likely the, the key sign for them because the shepherds say, after this is over... And the angels pronounce their announcement and we'll look at next week for Christmas Eve, how the angels responded to the birth of Jesus. Uh, so we'll just skip those few verses because uh, we'll hit them next week. But look, jump to verse 15. And this is how the shepherds respond. This is how they react in this. They say, "Well, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. They ran. Like that's what haste means. I don't know if you've ever hasted anywhere. But uh, this is probably what it looks like. It looks like you're moving pretty quick, okay? All right, you can use that this week. That's free of charge, okay. So, and they, and they went with haste. They found Mary and Joseph. And here's the catch right here, Luke in verse 16. And the baby lying in a manger. They say it again. They don't talk about the swat on because that was most likely normal in that context. And this was also a very normalized thing too for this is where the baby is. Oh, this is where he's at? He's in a manger, he's in a, a feeding trough. Like, so when the shepherds hustled, they found Jesus lying in a stone manger, most likely, just sitting right there in poor and humble circumstances. So when the shepherds found this, they were flabbergasted. Because for them to hear this news that the Savior Christ, the Lord was born, was ex- exciting. They were ecstatic at this. But when the, shepherd to, when the angel told the shepherds, go and find him. What, you're not, you mean he's not in the palace? You, you, you mean he's not already next to the throne where he belongs? No, you'll find him wrapped in cloths and simply laying in a manger. Verse 17, it says, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning this child. So they just started spitting off what the angel told them, like, oh, he's Savior. I, I imagine these shepherds just stumbling over each other, trying to get all these different things out of life. This is who this child will be. He's Savior, he's Christ, he's Lord. These angels showed up. There's this one angel, and then all of a sudden there were these million angels, and then all of a sudden this happened, and this, and then they're just rolling through all these things. It says, and when they made it known, verse 18, and all who heard it wondered, at what the shepherds told them. So all these people around the na- nativity scene, if you will, and we, we dove into it last week, what all that look, probably looked like in a first century Israelite home with these people inviting Jesus and his family in. But if I'm messing up your nativity right now, you'll just have to go listen to it on our podcast or YouTube. So I, I don't have time to deal with that. But all these people who are around the birth of Christ, they wondered at it. This word is literally like scratching the top of your head confused. I've already said that, but... But Mary is contrasted with these others who are wondering, scratching the top of their head, because she treasures. She sees all these words and titles as as valuable, and she starts to ponder them. It says she ponders them in her heart. She probably spent the rest of the life of Christ on the earth pondering, wondering, what does this mean? How will this play out? How will this baby do these things that has been spoken over him from the beginning of his life? time on earth. And it says, And the shepherds returned. They glorified in praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. It was true. That angel was right. That that baby boy was simply born in a poor and hungable circumstances and he had came close to us. And this gives me joy. How is this the setting? Ma- Mary's treasuring. The shepherds are telling everybody, worshiping and then These other people are just left confused, like, what is going on at this scene? Here's the wonder. Here's the magic of Christmas in this moment. What shocked the shepherds is that God didn't go straight to the palace. He didn't go straight to the throne. Instead, God showed up in poor and humble circumstances just like they were. Their joy came from the fact and instead of God being in a distant location that they could never achieve, that he had actually came to them. And their joy came in knowing about this child, who he is, but their joy came simply from the fact that he was with them. He came to be with them. And before a healing, before a demon got cast out, before a resurrection, before a feeding miracle, before walking on water, they proclaimed about who this child would be because he had turned their sorrow into joy simply because he came. Maybe right now you're feeling around this Christmas season an awful lot like the shepherds before the angel showed up. Unwanted, outcast, and unnoticed by others. To that, I want you to know that God sees you. He cares for you and he desires to come close and he's actually inviting you in. Just like the very first Christmas, he is longing to be close because the reality of who our God is, listen to some of these scriptures that as the psalmist reflects on the presence of God, he says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? I can't get away from you like you're, you're coming close to me the psalmist continues on. He's, he's talking about the darkness of his life. In verse 11 in Psalm 139, it says, and if I say surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become like night around me. Notice that poetry says that the light is even like night. That inside of me, it's, just, it's all darkness. But listen to how he turns the phrase in Verse 12 even the darkness will be not dark to you. The night will shine like day for darkness is light to you. That no matter the circumstances that we may be walking through in our lives, that our God can be present with us, is present with us, has come close to us, that his presence, or that Hebrew word, his face is turning towards us, not because of our good deeds and good works, but because of who he is. He sees us, he cares for us, and he's longing to draw close to us. One of my favorite Old Testament stories about this is in Genesis 16 with Hagar, who's an indentured servant of a very popular Old Testament character about Abraham and Sarah, and Hagar, their servant, gets mistreated, unwell taken care of, and cast out after she has the, her child Ishmael. And in her sorrow and her anguish, she runs away to escape and get freedom because she just can't take it anymore in her life. She goes and sits in the wilderness by this well and the angel of the Lord, again, the very same angel who shows up to these shepherds, shows up to her in the book of Genesis chapter 16. And he told her about a God who not only saw her, but was with her in this moment. And she gives him a name, verse 13. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. You see, the wonder and magic of Christmas is not necessarily the circumstances that Jesus came and how he came. It's not the circumstances surrounding that. We talk about those around Christmas time, about Jesus being born and placed in a manger. We talk about a virgin birth and all those things are spectacular and wonderful. But what is amazing about Christmas is how the prophet in Matthew would say that, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see what separates Jesus from all other religious figures is the fact that he is God, God in the flesh and that There's no way that you work your way unto him, but he came close to us. He comes to us, paved a way for us to have a relationship with God the Father. If we come to him by faith, turning from our sins and placing our faith in him, so no matter our circumstances, no matter our past, no no matter our history, he sees you. In Christ, his face is turning towards you. Whether you know it or not, whether you recognize it or not, he longs to be in relationship with you. Because what makes Christmas so spectacular is that he has put himself in our mess. He came in the most humble circumstances. It's what provided the shepherd's joy and God's infinite wisdom that he didn't shout it from the rooftops that all the creation would know, like, my son is here. But instead, he decided just these few key people in the story. He said, I want you to know something spectacular, world-changing, history-shaping has taken place this very night. God has come to be with you. And the world's never looked the same since. Ever since we've been talking about this story because it shapes the rest of history. It can shape the rest of your life's story. If you simply would call on his name in faith. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus and my prayer for you is that this Christmas that You wouldn't forget the wonder of the very first Christmas and you would still long for his return. My simple action step for you this morning is would you tell someone about this story that God sees, he cares, and he is inviting. He's inviting us in to be in right relationship with him through his son, Jesus as we reflect on the word of God, we're gonna sing and we're gonna continue uh, our service together. So if you would, would you bow your heads and just take a moment to be with the Lord right now and just consider the words that have been told to you. You see, these shepherds respond by seeking him out. And you're here for a variety of reasons, most likely, but my question for you simply is, Are you seeking Him? Specifically during this season of Christmas, as we're approaching closer and closer to Christmas Day, are you seeking Him? What what are you looking for? I could ask that question. What are you looking for? Others of you who know Him, when you see His face or when you experience His presence, do you Do you share that with others? Do you testify like the shepherds to all? Or if you're a follower of Jesus in this room, as we sing these few worship songs remaining and light our third candle of Advent, would you reflect on verse 20 and ask you this question as we prepare to pray and worship. What do you have to praise God for? In Philippians chapter 4, joy is commanded as a choice, not based off circumstances, but as a command from the spirit living inside of us and controlling our lives, is operating us as a principled and grounded of dwelling on the things of God rather than the things of our circumstances. What do you have to praise God for? No matter who you are or what circumstance bring you into this room right now. We all have a next step. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to continue to sing. Father God, we thank you for who you are. The fact that you came, you know every single one of these individual stories better than even we know our own story. I pray for all of us is we would never lose the wonder of Christmas, the fact that you came to be with us, to provide a way to be in right relationship with you. Not that we have to work our way to you, but you came close. Like the shepherds, would we seek you out? Like the shepherds, would we testify? Would we tell others about what you've done in our lives? And like the shepherds, would we praise you in spite of our circumstances? That joy is found And looking in your face and seeing that you are well pleased, not because of who we are, but because of what you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand and sing with us?